0: And then the final thing, which is really important, especially for businesses, founders, startups, is a call to action. It's just like the previous question, you know, what's the the objective? Where do you want to drive people? What do you want them to do? So when you can do that, when you can really drive the audience after doing those first three things, then you have become a master at storytelling because it's not manipulation, it's influence. You can influence an audience, and when you have an audience, then you have a business, and then hopefully that audience translates into paying customers.
1: Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my today's guest is Tamar Hela. Tamar grew up in California, but currently lives in China, where she co-founded linkedin's number one marketing agency genius and for any founder out there any tech startup founder i think linkedin should be the number one platform that they should be focusing on so if you are doing anything to do with startups corporate business then linkedin should be your go-to social media platform and why I wanted to interview Tamar is because she knows so much about LinkedIn. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the show. I have been wanting to interview for you for a while, as soon as I heard from Julian and he spoke highly about you. So, so Tamar, what are you working on these days?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's an honor. Well, um, as you already had Julian on the show, we're pretty much working on the same things. I am um, the COO and co-founder of a company in China called Genius Ensel. We specialize in LinkedIn uh, marketing services, and we mostly work now with Fortune 500 companies, so that's quite a challenge, but really exciting. But we also take... Um, we work with SMEs that have interesting projects and that we feel are a good fit for a collaboration. So, basically, I eat, sleep, drink, dream of LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are the person to talk to for 2020 <laughs> because um, you know once there are. I mean, this year there haven't there haven't been that many events and. Um, conferences, seminars, whatever you call them. Um, So all that activity I feel like has moved on to LinkedIn because that's where business people used to meet. And now LinkedIn is the next thing that they do all that time is going into LinkedIn. So I'm sure you'd have seen a lot more activity on LinkedIn this year compared to previous years.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think on all social media, attention has never been higher. Even, you know, things like Zoom, this very application that we're on, they skyrocketed their their shares by like, oh gosh, I think it was 242% just in one month. Over yes. one, I think in March or April, they in one week, their shares went up 25%. And most of mm-hmm. the other months of this year... The biggest share increase has, of course, been TikTok. And now that's, you know, the big controversy with the U.S.
1: The, the US but uh, yes.
0: LinkedIn is really in there as well. Attention is yeah. is high. People are working from home. Yes. Uh, tech companies in the Silicon Valley, which is where I'm from, I know that you yes. were there for a while, uh, yes. they're telling their employees they can work from home for the next year. So, of course, everyone is on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's a great place to hang out. It's like an online networking cocktail party where people are cool and most people respect the rules of being professional. So yes. yeah, we've definitely seen an increase in that regard.
1: Having said that, I just hired one more person remote just today or from LinkedIn. <laughs> so LinkedIn <Congratulations>. is amazing. <laughs> um That's wonderful. Yeah, I I absolutely understand the power of it. But before we yeah, get into more into LinkedIn and how to do LinkedIn right if you're a startup founder. Um, I would love to know a bit more about your own journey. How did you end up in China from California?
0: Yes, well, I am a born and bred Californian girl through and through. I, I definitely miss the beach. <laughs> the perfect weather. But other than that, I found that when I got to a certain point in my early 30s, I just really felt like That culture, as wonderful as it was, was not a good fit for me anymore. I had previously Mm -hmm. also studied and lived abroad in Spain a -hmm. few times. And I I loved being there. But it didn't work out for whatever reason. So when I was was in education for a while, which I've gone back and forth to in between uh, being an entrepreneur, the school I was working at shut down that year. And I just took it as a sign to make that big move that I was dreaming of. And an opportunity came up in China, in Shanghai. I didn't even know, to be honest, where exactly Shanghai was. I knew where Beijing was. But when I got the job offer in Shanghai, I said, okay, I better look it up on the map and then we'll go from there. So that kind of uh, set me on this this road, uh, this adventure. I knew, however, that once I got here, I would have to build up my network similar to you when you relocated. So... I actually didn't use LinkedIn at first. I used meetup.com and I found a writers group. I'm also a published writer. And that's how I started expanding my network. But that journey really led me back to entrepreneurship, back to eventually meeting my business partner, Julian, and then really using LinkedIn to its full capacity, being obsessed with it, loving it, building a community around it in Shanghai, which led to now me being. an avid, obsessed user, an
1: educator. Yes. Excellent. That's that's fantastic. Yes, I read from your LinkedIn profile that you used to help writers. Um, everything from editing, consulting, um, everything. What sort of things you? How did you help writers or authors, and what sort of service did you guys provide? Well,
0: similar to getting involved in LinkedIn, it was an unexpected trajectory for my life. It was a big part of my 20s. It all started first with a dream, like a literal dream I had about a a book idea that could be a fiction novel. I told my father about it. I think I was 24 at the time, and actually that was a, a really difficult, challenging year for me. But that idea gave me hope. And my father said, you know, you are a great writer. You've been talking about this for a while. I think you should just go for it. You are obsessed with books. Like, just try it. What's the worst that could happen? You never publish it. Okay. So I tried it. And three years later, I was celebrating my first book release, my book launch party, all that good stuff. And I was trying to figure out the best ways to promote. So I got involved a lot in Facebook, which then led me to Twitter. And at that time, Twitter was really like in its golden era. It had yes. a reach. And I was also really connected to the online writing community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because of that, I started getting these random opportunities. I had dabbled a bit in editing and I had done, I self-published my, my first book and was working mm-hmm. on my second but because of Twitter, I got this very interesting opportunity from the nephew of uh, Bill Cosby, a very famous yes. American actor. And so his his nephew, Braxton, said, hey, do you do book reviews? And I thought, well, not really, but okay, I'll try it. And from that, I caught all these errors in Braxton's book. He, all, he only asked me for a review, but I couldn't help it look at the errors that the publishing company had allowed this book to be published with. So I thought, okay, would he, if I were him, would I want to know? And I thought, yeah, I would. So I told him, Hey, you know, your book is great. Your story is amazing, but there's so many errors. Like, I'm sorry, but you wasted money on whoever's publishing the book or did editing for you. That led to him telling me, Oh, you know, thank you. I know I'm actually starting my own publishing firm and maybe I could interview you to become like my chief editor. Nice. <laughs> but I don't know anything really about this. Nice. I had edited maybe two or three books, yeah. but I thought, okay, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And it turned out to be two and a half years of this amazing journey and adventure of being the The publishing director for the company and the chief editor. I started an intern program, and in that time, I edited over twenty-five books. I worked with some celebrities. I worked with some former Olympians. I worked with Grammy award winners. Like it was insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And from that, then I got my own idea to start my own publishing firm. So I was I started self-publishing clients, almost like a boutique kind of firm, and I did. Mm I did everything until, up until the final release. And I told them, now you have to figure out your own marketing, your PR. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take a cut of your royalties. It's too much trouble. I got you out there. Now you can figure out the next step. So that's basically what I've done. And now in my career, I've edited over 50 books. And I've wow. helped people publish, uh, I think, 12 on, on my own side. So yeah, that's nice. kind of a Weird, interesting, random background about you.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's pretty cool. Gives us an insight into your career trajectory. How did you like after you did go to? So you you are in China. You made you're in Shanghai. You made some connections through Meetup um, and enter your work and all that. And what happened next? How did your journey onto LinkedIn and have, running and owning this agency start?
0: I was working in digital publishing at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it wasn't my own firm, but um, I was the marketing and operations director. We were actually building online courses. So that was a new format mm-hmm. and new media for me. It was really cool to experience that. And our target audience was young professional Americans who mm-hmm. needed soft skills, for example, presentation skills, or problem solving, critical thinking, etc., mm-hmm. and everything we did was based in neuroscience or NLP techniques. Yes. My my boss uh, has had his master's degree in NLP, and he was also a, a certified hypnotherapist. So all the products we we designed were super different, structured very different than I'd ever seen. Yes. When we started marketing, we were looking at many different channels, and the channels they had used that were so so were Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, uh not a non-consistent email newsletter. And because at that time in 2017, things were really starting to change in the digital mm-hmm. landscape, we looked to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I went to a special training at the American Chamber of Commerce called a Lunch and Learn, and I met this amazing guy, Ryan perky and he taught us how to optimize our LinkedIn profile. And at first I was kind of like, uh, it's not so interesting. I don't know. We'll see. But because I optimized my profile, I started getting people actually coming to me more for what we were selling. So when I shared that with my boss, we put two and two together and thought, okay, this is a, a media worth exploring. Let's hire this guy, Ryan, see if he'll consult for us. And he, he said yes. So he literally... Taught me every little nook and cranny there is to know about LinkedIn. I did ad testing. I joined groups. I did uh, direct messages to specific targets. Um, We did content, of course, like everything you can imagine, super branded articles. So I really got to go into this kind of science lab of LinkedIn because of this consultant. That led me down a rabbit hole of... Uh, finding a hashtag LinkedIn Local, um, yes, which is yes. a big community started in Australia by Anna McAfee. I, I actually yeah. got to meet her last year, which was cool. But now globally, LinkedIn Local is this community, basically mm-hmm. of LinkedIn lovers. For people who don't know what it is, there was no Shanghai chapter, and I thought that was insane. Like one of the biggest
1: cities in I the world. world,
0: yes, have that. That's crazy. Yeah. So I started it. And I went from zero to 3000 members in two years. And during that time is when Julian and I connected and we started doing workshops together. Cause he was a LinkedIn influencer in France. Yes. Um, we both had tried different methods we learned from each other which was really cool and we found that through these collaborations and especially building the community we had such complementary skill sets it would be a complete waste if we didn't join forces in business as well so he invited me to become um, his COO as he pivoted um, the business and then yeah here we are a few years later doing what we're doing
1: fantastic and in what you are doing you guys help brands and other corporates and companies to to reach out to their customer base through LinkedIn would that be the main thing you guys do
0: it's one of them so when I describe it to people I tell them there's basically two main things we do so yes we do the lead generation and that's more on a targeted list direct mark, yes. uh, messaging strategy but we found that we get The best results when we have a a really holistic ecosystem we provide for our clients. And what I mean by that is the second piece that we add is content. Because Mm -hmm. content is king, but engagement is queen. Mm -hmm. And when you can drive your content in a way that really positions your client as thought leaders, industry experts, and you can also get engagement. That's when the algorithm on LinkedIn will boost. The visibility and then we get what we call inbound marketing so then people your audience starts to come to you but it does take time you have to curate it and it's completely different than reaching out directly to your avatar client because with the audience you have to curate it just like a museum you have to or just like your oil paintings you have to you know pick what fits best in your background kind of thing and exactly. you clean use them all otherwise it doesn't look great so these are definitely strategies that that take a while but yeah those are the two main basic things that we usually provide for our clients
1: oh that is excellent um so many questions i have about <laughs> about linkedin and and how do you- How to grow your brand, your business, um, your startup through LinkedIn. A a lot of the listeners of of this um podcast are startup founders in early stages or they already work for a startup and they want to promote it then if it's a bit more mature and well-funded startup um, what advice do you have for someone as a founder who wants to build a profile um as a tech startup founder um on linkedin what should they do first
0: Great question. There's three main things to do to really get you started on your big Mm -hmm. plan. And I would say too, the most important thing is your mindset. It must be long-term thinking. It's not Mm going to be a quick win. That's not going to get you the results you want on the long-term. So first think long-term, but the, the, the main thing is to really optimize your profile. You have three seconds to impress people or intrigue them or capture their attention So, of course, you need to make sure your profile picture is appropriate, centered on your face. People need to see you not a selfie in the bathroom or a family (laughs) reunion picture your mother took as much as we love our mothers. You know, it needs to be professional. And then a lot of people don't use the cover picture, the banner above. And I think it's really a shame, especially if you're a founder. Like, you know, you could be looking for funding. You could be looking Mm or um, new clients, of course, and you can use that banner space to communicate clearly your value proposition, and then your title. So your title needs to really make sense. If you only put founder, that doesn't tell me how you're helping my problem, helping to solve my problem, if you, if I'm your avatar client. But if you tell me like literally in your title, helping XYZ people get XYZ results, then that's intriguing and I properly understand it. And I can assess that in three seconds. So people need to start with that. And then the rest of the profile, make sure like your value proposition is clear. Don't put positions or experience on there from, you know, seven years ago where you were a a cashier at McDonald's, like it needs to be relevant to the offer. Mm-hmm. uh put, put your education put any special credentials etc ask people for recommendations especially if you're a founder if you're a startup and you've worked on projects that were successful ask those clients for recommendations it provides great social proof the second thing is of course like make sure you have a content strategy and um, most of the content should be really clear Themes and they can be evergreen themes to show your expertise. But the idea is to have something that's relevant five years from now, 10 years from now. That's usually the best content. And then the final step would be so, point three is when you're reaching out to your avatar client, do a little bit of research. Don't just shoot in the dark. Like, really think about who needs your product or service, Um, think about their pain points. Think about who's going to be the decision maker. You know, you don't want to get the administrative assistant of the company to target. You want to get the person who's making the decision with the yes. marketing director, business developer, the CEO. And then from there, you can use the LinkedIn search bar to really filter for those people and send them, always send them a connection note and personalize it. And you can, you can be transparent about why you're reaching out. But don't pitch them. Just tell them, I'm Tamar, I'm from this agency, and mm-hmm. I provide this, and I would love to get in touch with you to see if we have a collaboration opportunities in the future. Yep. And when Excellent. you're transparent like that, yes. your acceptance rate for connections will skyrocket. I guarantee it. When I personalize my nodes, when I make a even a short, yes. quick reach out, I get a 90% connection acceptance acceptance rate. yeah That's really
1: high yeah yeah so personalize it and be transparent yeah. and have have clear messaging whether it's your picture whether it's your profile about space or your banner yeah. very practical advice what is um, in your view, what is the most common sort of mistake you see people making on a day-to-day basis on LinkedIn?
0: Two big things. One is lack of consistency in anything, in their targeting, in their posting, in interacting with their audience, and they claim that they're not getting results. Um But even in that, sometimes people in their consistency, I'm glad that they're consistent, but there's no intrigue. There's no storytelling. So they really, again, need to think of it holistically. And then the other glaring mistake is kind of twofold. It's targeting incorrectly, but also trying to pitch or sell right away. For example, it's very clear on my profile when when you go to it, what I provide. It's very yes. clear I'm providing LinkedIn services. Yes. And yet somehow, one of my first degree connections, which is involved in a LinkedIn agency in Europe, yes. somehow targeted me and invited me to their LinkedIn masterclass. And I was like, are you serious? And it was a really long scripted message <laughs> that spacing was awful and it was like oh yeah i want to invite you you know thousands and thousands of companies have already benefited from this i think you could too and i was just like yeah but i, I teach a linkedin master class right? yeah. so I this morning yeah. um so you know again that's why you have to slow down a bit and make sure mm. you target well so in order to avoid that um, something that we do and what we've learned from our most successful campaigns is yes. when you actually create the list ahead of time of who you're going to reach out to, especially when it's for a client, we go over it and we make sure, you know, are these the people you want to really reach out mm-hmm. to Here's their LinkedIn profile, check it out. And then we connect yes. because otherwise, again, it's shooting in the dark or it's what we call hope marketing and we hope <laughs> that person is yes. a good fit and they're not. So, yeah, those are the two things, two things to, that I see, and two things that people should avoid (laughs) at all costs.
1: Very, very true. look, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> it's like we build software for people, and then we yeah. get cold like cold messages all the time that, hey, yeah. do you want us to develop software for you? Exactly. It's like no, that's that's our job. That's what we do. <laughs> like exactly. at least do some research and at least search exactly. the URL. Just go to a URL and just have a look, like have our go to our website and see what we do before exactly. yeah. Yeah, pitching, pitching something to us. You just wasted your, your in-mail message or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The um, other thing is that um, where do you see LinkedIn's algorithm going in, over the next couple of years? Um, <laughs> I know you don't have a crystal ball, <laughs> but... <laughs> I might. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. Okay,
0: so that's kind of a tricky question because... The algorithm changes about every three months um, yeah. in fact right now the algorithm's getting a bit strict again as far as yes. um just like different profiles or verification um also lots of people have come back from holiday and they're getting back mm-hmm. in business so the algorithm's adjusting to more content being posted again more attention so mm-hmm. that's actually part of what Uh, julian and i love to do we love to study the algorithm because again we have we have to maintain our status as practitioners
1: absolutely not
0: just going to say we're experts and never test things ourselves we're always testing always studying the algorithm but i i do know this if we're going to think long term about it yes microsoft owns linkedin Microsoft has almost unlimited resources. They're massively developing even more AI and intelligence. Mm -hmm. So in that, from 2018 about, there has been a massive increase in um, how posts are filtered, how profiles are filtered because of that. I really believe that Microsoft is going to take advantage or LinkedIn will take advantage of Microsoft And allow kind of maybe more experimentation or tests to be run as far as AI is involved. And that could really make the algorithm uh, much smarter and cater to more of what people want to see in their feed. Even if, let's say, they are still following someone that's not very relevant. But if they never interact with that person, then the feed is going to get smarter and only show the things that are interesting to you or that you've interacted with. Um, I think it'll be almost super targeted, like Amazon ads, <laughs> yes. where it's kind of creepy. You go from Amazon to Facebook and it's like, I know. oh, do you need this toothbrush? And you're like, what? I just did like a random search and c- clicked on it. Like, yes. I think it's going to get more and more like that.
1: Mm-hmm. But right
0: now, LinkedIn is basically like Facebook was in 2012. It's a golden era. People need to take advantage and not worry so much about the algorithm. They need to realize that this organic reach is not going to last for forever. It is not. It's going to hit a glass ceiling. That's why, especially during this year and people working from home, it's more important and relevant than ever to take advantage of how it's functioning right now.
1: Very, very true. There is a trend I have seen. Some people tagging or abusing this day, um, trend that, you know, tagging like 25 unrelevant people in the post. And yeah. I wonder if the algorithm will get smarter and and in fact, not give precedence to those sort of posts where people are just sort of mass tagging all sorts of random people. <laughs> yeah.
0: It depends, it depends. I yes. mean, um, it's funny that you said that because yesterday I just made a post where I massively tagged people, but they were relevant. Uh, which yes. I normally don't do because I posted um, about my visit to LinkedIn Shanghai headquarters last yes. month and um, my private meeting with the, the LinkedIn China president.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah.
0: I posted that, but I tagged um, current or former clients uh, yes. to, again, just, you know, remind them like, yeah, we're here yeah. for you. Like we, we know our LinkedIn stuff. You can trust yeah. us. So social proof but also i tagged um influencers in china on linkedin and i yes. tagged like cmos yes. um, and i asked them a question like what's your favorite linkedin feature or if you're in china what's your linkedin china story because it's a little bit different yes. in china so that's relevant and um, they do have the option to ignore it to untag yes. themselves whatever i wonder if if people are abusing that, if indeed the AI or the algorithm will kind of figure that out, especially if after a while they it sees that the same names are being tagged over and over, yes. and there's literally no reaction or response, it very well could become and up to that, that. Because Mm -hmm. it's
1: like, if only, say, you know, 0.1% of the people are doing it, it's fine. But when 60% of people and every single post has 25 people, unrelevant people tagged in it, um, then I wonder how it will respond. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like I got to see, um, we couldn't go in the room, but I could see them through the glass at, at LinkedIn headquarters. There is like a whole team in um each like regional area of linkedin around the world that monitors all those kind of things or like sensitive content etc and it could become part of their job to maybe even help the ai develop what to look for like if a certain um let's say formula is structured is Mm -hmm. flagged enough by the human resources then it'll teach the AI to also adapt and figure that out. But yeah, it's quite interesting like to to know as well that there is a whole team um in yes. LinkedIn like developed to monitoring those kind of things.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I have um I have a theory or a prediction I don't know how if it will come true but um you know like how Instagram like as you said Facebook was 2012 and Instagram was 2016-2017 LinkedIn is 2019-2020 um and just like how Instagram things have changed um as in that Instagram I've heard that is even thinking of uh, removing the importance of likes in its um, feed as in what it will give the utmost importance to is saved posts. Like in, you know, how in LinkedIn there is saved posts because right. if you save a, save an Insta, whatever you call it, um, image, video, whatever, that means right. it was of real importance to you. So mm-hmm. I think over time. Um, LinkedIn's algorithm is going to go that route as well. And because people um, go in sort of like, like baiting or sort of, or comments that, you know, um, trying to inspire comments, which is not wrong, but um, when everyone does that, Um, then algorithm has to find another way to find what is important. And if you are saving a post, that means it was really important to you. And so that would be the next trend, I think, for the algorithm to go down. (laughs) Um, But I find it also interesting that it is not human behavior as much um, impacting algorithm is in fact the other way around as well algorithms impacting human behavior because <laughs> people like you and Julian who are at the top of your game um, you guys would change and adapt to if there's any changes in the algorithm and I'm sure um, so so yeah no just just my two cents on yeah,
0: I, I think that's a good point I mean it's totally valid it could totally happen um, because right now part of what does help the algorithm is of course the engagement and it's within yes. the first 30 to 60 minutes. But now LinkedIn judges engagement more so by comments than yes. like, because it knows that it's easy and lazy to just like a post. Exactly.
1: Like what like. Yes, but did. to
0: stop and comment means that your view time on that post is much longer than one to 30 seconds so that also triggers the algorithm but yeah imagine if um even comments uh stop playing such a big important role then it could definitely be something like the saved the safe posts. Yeah. yeah yeah so we'll see what happens
1: yeah yeah um the other advice I got from someone else who I met a couple of days ago on LinkedIn was I don't know you can tell me if he's right or wrong but he said that when you reply in a comment um always reply with something good or positive and then another leading question so never finish the conversation in the comments keep it going as long as you can I don't know if that
0: is a lot of time on his hands.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he does. He does. That's all he does. Social media is all he does. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, if that's all you do and you have the time or resources to do that, kudos to you. But yeah, I think it's great to interact. I think it is good to ask a thought provoking question. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, what is the ultimate objective of that? Like, what are you wanting to get out of that just to keep getting notifications that the post is going? And what's the ultimate purpose of the post? Is the post just for social proof? Is it for vanity metrics? Is it to make people aware of your brand? Is it to bring people somewhere else, like a website or register for a webinar? So again, like I think that's only part of the equation and people really yes. need to ask themselves what is the ultimate objective? What is the bottom line? And does asking a question and keeping that conversation going, is that going to put money in my pocket? Very, it's 2020. Very true. Businesses are shutting down. People are getting laid yes. off. People are scared. We still have yet to see more economic crisis that's coming. Yes. I really believe, not to sound like, you know, doomsday, but I really believe it's a matter of time before the US dollar falls and then all yeah. hell is going to break loose. And if people still think that you just need to keep getting notifications and keep the (laughs) that's not going to get you money when the dollar falls. So again, ask yourself, what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate objective? And then plan around that.
1: Yeah. You have so much experience and I think a, a lot of your success is partly because you're such a good storyteller and even in your LinkedIn messages or posts and everything you are able to paint um a very very clear vivid picture and that maybe comes from your experience with writing and editing and reading and all those things. Um do you have any advice who's just starting out um How do you tell stories for LinkedIn or any advice around that?
0: Thank you very much, first of all, for the kind words. Yes, I do. Everything follows a structure. And um, it's actually a structure that we like to use at our our agency, for ourselves, for our clients. And it's really easy. It's from Dean Graziosi, who I love. He's an excellent storyteller, excellent salesperson. And so the first thing is always grabbing attention. What we play around with is using all caps for a title that grabs attention, sometimes an emoji, sometimes not, but it makes people stop. It also indexes your post, like it's easier to find the subject if you want to return to it. Um, The next thing is you want to present like an idea. Um, It could be a problem. It could be to make people dream, whatever, okay? It could be really visual. And then after that, it's a storytelling about the idea or about the problem. So that's where you can bring in that story element. And then the final thing, which is really important, especially for businesses, founders, startups, is a call to action. It's just like the previous question, you know? What's the bottom line? What's the
1: call to action? What's
0: the objective? Where do you want to drive people? What do you want them to do? So when you can do that, when you can really drive the audience after doing those first three things, then you have become a master at storytelling because it's not manipulation, it's influence. You can influence an audience. And when you have an audience, then you have a business. And then hopefully that audience translates into paying customers.
1: Fantastic. Look, this was gold. I'm going to make clips of this. <laughs> it's your name and your agency and going to spread it everywhere. Thank um, you, because it is it is such a big skill, like this the whole storytelling thing. And and doesn't matter. It's LinkedIn, Insta, Twitter, does not matter. Pen, paper, does, this will translate forever for for people wherever you use it. Um
0: and it it can be learned. That's the great news. So many people get intimidated and they're like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not a storyteller. Yes, you are. Everyone's a storyteller. It's in our old lizard brains. It's part of our evolution as mankind. Like we've been telling yes. stories since day one, since we could, we could talk. So yes. if people remember that structure I gave them and they start practicing it, that's the good news. You can become a master storyteller.
1: Yep. So the, the ideal sort of thing to do would be to just go and practice this format that you have right. said and just practice. Right. That is excellent. Do you have a ask for any of our audience? What are you looking for? Are you looking for team customers, um, anything, investors, anything?
0: <laughs> um, actually I just would love to invite them if they want to come to yes. one of our next webinars, they're, they're welcome to find us, me and Julian on LinkedIn, Uh, We relaunched our webinars now since people are back from holidays. So Mm -hmm. twice a month, we each run a webinar. We teach basically the things I was talking about today in the podcast. Um, We just want people to really understand the value of LinkedIn and we want them to use it to its maximum uh, capacity for their benefit. And then that way, too, they can keep in touch or, you know, if they want to outsource their activities because it is quite a lot they're welcome to get in touch. But we really, we're, we both have backgrounds as, as educators and, and part-time college professors. So we really just want to educate people and teach them how to save their business and not just survive, but, but thrive. And LinkedIn can definitely help that.
1: Fantastic. I will put the links to everything in the description. Um, Thank
0: you.
1: Before we go, I have these three sort of quick questions I ask everyone. And that is, is there a book that you are reading right now?
0: <laughs> I'm reading 10 books <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so your favorite one uh, right now currently or or recently yeah. that you have read
0: my favorite one right now so far is a, a book from a professor at UC Berkeley and he's talking about kind of the multiverse theory and parallel yeah. lives and why we have um copies of ourselves made it's quite scientific it's very quantum physics based and new quantum physics i find it super fascinating and it's great for learning how to influence people
1: (laughs) oh that is fantastic what's his name
0: oh my gosh uh i forgot his name but the name of the book is um some i think it's something deeply hidden see if you can yes
1: i yeah. have found his name yes it is a lot to do with uh sean connor uh carol sean Carole? yeah
0: yeah yeah. sean carol sean Carroll.
1: Yeah. yeah fantastic that's great
0: californian so gotta give him props <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh look that is that is the type of things that i i like um great. yeah um, <clears throat> so yeah i'll check that out is there a is there a podcast or a YouTube channel that you follow that you learn from, listen to? Yeah,
0: probably what Julian told you. I'm sure London Real is my yes. favorite podcast.
1: Yes, you did. Yeah, yes.
0: Definitely life changing. Um almost anything on there I recommend for people to listen. Yep.
1: Yeah. And final one, if you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would you build or work on?
0: Um the next thing that I dream of building and working on is to probably acquire and then leverage um, some kind of health company mm-hmm. where I could not just do things like supplements, which I know you've done before because I, I have a holistic health background, Yeah. but um, to actually make real progress beyond what we've done now in yes. genetics Um, I'm actually quite fascinated by epigenetics and I would love to devote more of that because I think we're going too slow. I think humanity needs faster solutions at lower cost. And that's something that I definitely would love to go into next.
1: That's excellent. Excellent. Look, it has been an absolute pleasure, pleasure talking with you, Tamar. Um, you, I wish yeah. you all the best with all the things that you are doing currently. And yeah, I um, would love to know how you how you guys go and continue with your guys' mission. So thank yes, you.
0: Yes, thanks so much for having me, Sam. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights That would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.